Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Okay, so welcome to People with Purpose. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Evan Zivanakis, who is a uh, certified executive coach, leadership consultant and author uh, who helps leaders and business owners uh, acquire the skills they need to thrive in today's uh, challenging business world. Evan, welcome to the show. Nice to be here with you, David. Thank you for the invitation. You're very, very and welcome. You pronounce, and, and the pronunciation of my surname is quite <laughs> right, I must say. Excellent. That's good. Well, normally I check before before we uh, before we go live uh, on that, but I, I was feeling pretty confident, so I'm glad I managed to pull it off. You did. You did. It's a silent T. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. So where, where are you about to see it in the world? Are you now? Right now, I'm joining you from uh, Greece, Athens. And uh, again, thank you for the invitation. And what I do, I, I mainly work with um, executives, um, kind of middle managers and up. And uh, I do one-on-one coaching. Through one-on-one coaching sessions, I work with them to identify, you know, the strengths, the areas of, of improvement, and we take it from there. And then we develop a, a personalized action plan to help them succeed. Um, you know, anything could be leadership skills. You know, I want to improve my leadership presence. It could be communication. It could be you know, navigate a career transition, which is quite popular lately. Um, and as well, I, I also do um, team training. You know, I do um, uh, learning and development, L&D. Um, um, I design and deliver um, uh, uh, learning and development programs. It could be, again, sales. It could be communication. Um, uh, diversity and inclusion is another popular lately. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds quite a lot of uh, organisational culture stuff uh, for both the organisation and for the individuals in there leading the teams. Yeah, because I do believe, you know, it's all about people. And um, this, I think this statement, uh, if you want to call it statement, but it, it, it is more relevant now since 2020. I do believe that on an organisational level, people now, is as important as marketing, as sales, as IT. So it's like people, product, procedures, profit. Yeah. Um, and you know, with the remote work, with hybrid work, uh, um, the world of work over the last couple of years has changed because I do believe that um, expectations from people's ex- expectations has changed. And expectations for companies has also changed. Yeah. Therefore, you know, the way we managed, uh, you know, I got my first role, um, my first managerial role, uh, I got it in the UK and I was 25 years old, uh, two years after uni, um, you know, in Bristol, as we discussed offline. Yeah. So uh, I was 25 and, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, no, around 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it was a tif- different business environment. I was arrogant. I was a bit cocky. I was aggressive. I, it, was, I was, it was all about me, all about me, all about me. But back then it worked. But nowadays, I think it's a totally different game. Um, if you're a manager, if you want to really kind of engage, motivate and inspire people, you need a different approach and a different communication. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think you, I think you're right. I think that there was a kind of a there was a there was kind of an an old school kind of command and control type style of management that was prevalent certainly in you know in the 90s and then that that evolution was um was kind of a gradual evolution really through the noughties I think for uh, people uh, taking an interest in what they call um, some of the soft skills. And uh, and Simon Sinek hates that phrase. He calls them human skills instead. And uh, and, and, I, th- and I, th- I think he's right to do that because actually uh, when it comes to leading people, 
those human skills <clears throat> can be anything but soft. They're just not as you know hard or aggressive or whatever as as the command and control style of leadership was. In fact, I would say it takes a higher skill level as a leader to be able to lead in the world that we're in now than perhaps it did back then when you know you went round bossing people around and telling them what to do and you were able to get away with it. People people were quite rightly won't stand for that anymore. No, they won't, and they won't stay with you anymore. And um, and uh, I call them actually hard skills. I think soft skills are actually hard skills because if you really, you know, if you want to learn how to code, actually you just sit down, you study, you practice, and you learn how to code, right? But how do you communicate with others? How do you, as a leader, how do you share and communicate your vision? How do you engage? How do you find out your people's why? You know, how do you manage? multicultural things how do you manage people in a remote setting or in a hybrid setting because there is no more or it has been reduced there is a reduced management by walking about so it is a totally different skill set and um, i remember you know my first you know the company I, I was a manager it was in bristol park street just on the top of park street um and before before um, the triangle before the university you've got the university on top of and the green at the bottom, right? So yeah. 70, 72 Park Street. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I, totally different skill set. You know, I, I I was doing all the talking. People would just nod and listen, and they would just execute. But now is, um, you know, uh, uh, the book from uh, Marshall Goldsmith, What Got You Here Will Not Get You There. So that's quite relevant. So I do believe that to nowadays, if I was to share, in my opinion, a, a, an effective leader should be able to balance three things, and those three things, those three things are relationships, result, and ego, their own ego, right? And if you could allow me to elaborate, I do. Be, and, and the key point, I think, a key question here is that they balance, right? Because results, right? If I come across as um, to results driven, if I push too much, yes, I will drive results, but I will also drive my people crazy, right? On the opposite side, if I focus too much on relationships, I will make a lot of friends as a manager in the office, but I will struggle to kind of challenge and push my people because if you're too friendly with someone in the professional context, you can't really push them, right? And the third thing I would say is... Uh, um, ego and um, you know I was when I was a manager there I used to come across it's all about me it's all about me it's all about me which back then it worked but nowadays if you come across like this people will think well fine I understand that but what is in it for me mm -hmm. why why shall I stay in your company why shall I follow you what is in for me? What will I get out of it? Apart from the salary, which more or less I can get it somewhere else. Yeah. Or probably I can get even a better salary. <laughs> so results, relationships, ego. And um, I always say leadership. I realize that it is a little bit like a muscle. Every now and then you need to train your leadership skill because the business, the work environment out there is is changing, is in the process of changing. Back to you. Yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing about uh, the results, that's kind of where people sort of start off with their thinking. Relationships is how... Um, you know, you encourage and you pull people together to, to focus the energy towards getting those results. And the ego... Um, because you, you, you as a leader have an ego, but also the, the people in your team have an ego as well. So there's a bit about understanding your own ego and perhaps what's driving that, you know, what, what, what experiences in your past are causing you to act in a certain way and what choices you make about your behaviour. But also understanding the fact that the people in your team have also been through their own life experiences that have created their own ego and if you can get that um that understanding and that conversation out onto the table then that then perhaps turns those three things into a circle which means that you get 
a bit of an accelerator into your results again and more improvement into your relationship. So I can almost see those three things almost as a kind of a ongoing cycle of, of, of development. And, um, yeah, I, I, I quite like that as a, as a model. I've not heard that before. So how do you keep yourself, um, up to date then, as you say, because the world keeps changing, uh, what, what are your sources of information to, to, to keep you, uh, relevant so you can have maximum impact? Yeah, well, first of all, reading, you know, listening to podcasts, listening to your podcast, you know, <laughs> um, highly recommended. Um, <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you know, working with people, you know, uh, actually work gives you a lot of knowledge and information mm. because through my coaching work, I work with managers, CEOs, leaders, and I can see their challenges, you know, what they face every day. Mm. So take it from there and then reading research um and uh you know uh, group networks and all that so um and i think i think as a as an individual i like to learn i i consider myself as a long life learner and uh like um i'm the kind of person for me and i think it's relevant it's good to stay relevant as a leader because if you think you know it all and if you think you know the, and if you have the mentality i think well, this is how we always done it. You're kind of finished. Mm. Uh, I do believe that. Yeah. And um, not only in a managerial level, but in life as well, right? How how much uh, life has changed. Now we're kind of going back to how we kind of, you know, we're kind of, in, in the UK, in Europe now, Dave, more or less the whole world, you can move around freely. But uh, it wasn't, this wasn't the case over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, life changed a lot. So I do believe that at the end of the day, if you are a, a leader, if you're managing people, you know, you could manage a coffee shop, five people or 500 people. I think the principles are the same. I do believe that it's not, leadership is not about being the first to reach the top, but it's about empowering others to climb their own mountain. Yeah, yeah. Because as you said, people have their own life and you never know, well, you should know actually as a manager what is going on in your people's life when they go home. Yeah. You know, what challenges do they face with their kids, with their partners, with their finances? So as a leader, I think as a manager, the more you know, the better you can manage. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. It's also um, uh, a mistake I quite often see uh, leaders making is they make the assumption that the people in their teams are going to feel the same passion, desire, determination to achieve the result the organisation is going for, that they will, because they're the leader. You know, you're on board, so get on board, fit in, and all that kind of thing. But, you know, that's a massive mistake. I mean, do you see that a lot in the in, in the work that you do? I see that a lot, and I see it especially in middle management, which is the hardest part place to be i call it the sandwich manager mm. uh because you've got subordinates below below you and you've got reports above you so how do you manage those relationships and uh, we always talk about employee burnout employee burnout stress but being in the middle management is really one of the most challenging um things that you can do because you know how do you progress your career how do you deliver results how do you make how do you make sure that you're, you're good at what you do, but at the same time, how do you make sure that you motivate and energize the people below you? Yeah. So it's it's really challenging and um, as a middle manager because, you know, people, we are self-centered. You know, if you're a middle manager, I think if you take 10 middle managers and you ask them, hey, do you want to progress your career? They will tell you, yes, I want. But how do you do that when you are into that man middle management position where especially if you're in a sales environment. You know, I coach a lot of sales managers and VPs of sales. And, you know, it's a challenging environment because they still do sales. They need to perform. The department needs to perform. And so they need to keep everyone basically happy. It's like the mother of the house, you know. <laughs> she needs to cook. She needs to do all that. She needs, so it's a, it's a challenging place to be. And... And, you know, and, and one of the programs that actually run, I call it how to manage your manager. Uh, and it actually is not about telling your manager what to do. But if you are a middle manager, let me ask you a few questions. Do you know what is your manager's KPIs? How will he or she be evaluated? 
and then support that person because the more you can support your manager, actually the better your job will be. Yeah. And what is their preferred method of communication? Are they an introvert or are they an extrovert? Do they uh, can you just walk into their office and talk to them, or do they prefer an email, or what is their style? And so again, you need to have those management skills to because the relationship you have as a middle manager with your manager, I do believe is too important for your career just to leave the relationship only to them. Yeah, to manage it top down. And one of the things I learned early on my career is what one of my managers told me. He told me, Evan. I was telling him about the problem I had with one of my staff back in the days, and he, he asked me, who are they sleeping with? I said, I don't know. <laughs> you need to know. And he, says, he said to me, no, I'm joking, but he said to me, who, where do they stay? Where do they live? Are they single? Are they married? What problems they have? How is it? Again, we're going back to the thing that, do you know your people? And uh, you'd be surprised, David. A lot of managers don't know their people. Mm. They think they know, but they don't know. So, um, what what do you um, what do you do then to help people? So, if you 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 help uh, middle managers and and senior managers to to develop these kind of uh, capabilities. Uh, are there any tools, techniques, uh, tips that you give them that that, that that help them to you know get it, get a connection and then maintain that connection with their teams? Well, the first thing I do if it's a, a manager or a, or you know executive comes to me. They will tell me I have this problem. You know, the first thing I do is I do I I, I do it I diagnose before I prescribe. I need to diagnose. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I I, I give the diagnosis and it's up to the leader. You know, um, what they want to do. But the first thing I do is diagnose. So let's say if you come to me, and I I will I have an assessment. I have a questionnaire that I'm going to ask you, and then I will do a 360 degree assessment. You give me five people that you know, maybe four from work and one personal, and I'm going to ask them three questions, and then I'm going to give you anonymous feedback. And then the question I ask them is this, tell me one, tell me three things that David is doing right, tell me one thing that David could improve, and if you were David's manager, what would you tell them to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I collect all the data, and then if you know, four or five people telling me, well, David is, uh, I don't know, screaming at us. Then we have an issue. Then I can see a pattern. And then I present my findings and then the client decides what is the next step. Because sometimes, you know, what the client thinks they need from what they actually need could be totally different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the coach, I, 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 I'm there just to be a sounding board. And sometimes I take another kind of role and and again, sometimes you see it with sales teams as well. You know, PP sales, they come and tell me, oh, my sales are up, we need sales training. But, you know, nine out of ten times in sales organizations or in sales departments, the problem is not training, the problem is motivational, internal. Yeah. But if you are a manager, you, you, you psychologically, you pass the ball, you, you know, you throw the ball, to, it's, it's their problem. I, I'm a good manager, they need training. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is human and normal because if we accept that we have a room for improvement it, it makes us look vulnerable right right exactly exactly so yeah and b- being vulnerable is an important part of leadership though uh, to, to my mind i mean being able to uh, especially in the modern world that you described you know at the top of this conversation uh, but it is something that um that you have to kind of you talk about exercising the leadership muscle. You, you kind of also got to exercise the vulnerability muscle as well. Um, that comes naturally to some people, uh, but for other people, it's a real challenge. Uh, how do you help people get through that challenge if it's not something that they naturally like to do? It comes with self uh, self awareness, right? So it comes with self awareness, and um, you know. Three, and it's still the same, you know, a few years ago, and, but in some cultures it still exists. Like if you look at Asian cultures or Middle East, um, the manager, you cannot say, I don't know. Yeah. If, you, you know if, if, if an employee asks you something and you say, I don't know, you're coming across as a incompetent manager. So you need to look at cultures as well. Yeah. Uh, but in the Western world, you know, in Europe, UK, it's fine to say, I don't know, I will get back to you. And there is nothing wrong. Um, but then you, you, know, you said in the 90s or in the early 20s, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the early years, in the early 2000s, 
we could not say that I don't know mm. because it makes you look like, well, you don't know, you're my manager, you're supposed to know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but in some cultures, it's still the case. In some cultures, um, uh, the leader is still the father figure where he does all the talking and the employees just nod and do. Yeah. So uh, vulnerability comes with self-awareness and there is nothing wrong. Um, and actually you could, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's fine. You go, you, you t- to tell your staff, look, there is some, this is a good question. I don't know, but you know, I will find out the information. I will get back to you. And it's a great opportunity to, for you. That's how I see it, to build, a better relationship with your employee. Yeah, yeah. Also, I think the world at the moment, if you look around the world, look at the uh, political situation in lots of countries and, uh, you know, what we're seeing in, in, in some of the, you know, the, the, the great institutions of the world, both in sport and in other, other fields, uh, what, what we need is that, that integrity in leadership and, uh, yeah, it, there, there seems to be a bit of a leadership problem at the moment. Um, what, what do you see as the biggest challenges for um, for you know for the for the global economy with with regards to to leadership? Is trust right? Trust, right? Mm. Like, I'm not a financial expert, but why do banks and financial institutions don't like Bitcoin? <laughs> Because they are losing control. Why do you want to go borrow from them? I control the finances and you borrow from me. Mm. And, and now I, 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 I didn't invest in Bitcoin or something, but trust is a big thing. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, and we are, I think we are in a, in a state, I think in 10 years time with the rise of technology, things will become more transparent. Mm. And if you look at blockchain, the, the the blockchain technology can be implemented into voting systems, mm. into many things. So, but we, it's just now that we are in a, I think we're in a transition period. Uh, so I think trust is a big thing, especially when, you know, if you look at political issues, you know, you mentioned uh, the global issues, um, trust, like a given idea, Turkey and Greece, they always, uh, well, from, from, from Greece and Turkey, they always kind of have this kind of, conflicts and all that but you know, i'm sure you know about the earthquake that happened in turkey last yeah, week yeah greece greece was the first country to to help uh, and the, the the foreign minister that visited yesterday and he and then and then kind of you know we're talking they're they're talking a different game now so mm. but if you look at people if you look at people you know they like each other so i don't know i don't know it's and but I think over the next maybe few years, you might see the rise of you see it in Italy, you see it in other countries. Maybe the right, you know, other either to left or to right, mm-hmm. we might see this kind of political um, um, trends. Let me call it that way. Yeah. Um, maybe due to what is happening right now with you know with COVID, what happened with COVID, with wars, um, with the balloons. You see the balloons now. This yeah. is a new thing. Yeah. Um, Maybe some countries and some people will just become too nationalist and say, I want my country, I don't want any influence and all that. Yeah. It's an interesting time we're going through. Yeah. And, and I think one of the biggest um, skills right now is the ability to be adaptable mm. as a human. Yeah. Right. Like I travel quite a lot. Like, like I, and I go to Asia as well a lot. Like, and I have a lot of apps, you know, um, you know, Asia technology is moving really fast. Like mm. I go away for a couple of months and I come back and all the apps I have, I need to update them yeah. because there is always new features, yeah. like, which I don't understand sometimes. Yeah. So I think technology will play an important role, even in management, you know, with remote work, with how we measure performance, mm-hmm. how we monitor, how we empower and how we manage our people. And as a leader, I think you should be using technology. Mm to not micromanage, but uh, to manage. Yeah, and uh, the human the, the, the human element is, is always going to be so important, isn't it? Because, I mean, you, you're not, you're not going to get that trust without that human-to-human contact. And I think some, some parts of, um, if you look at management and leadership, if management is about the task, and leadership is about the people. Uh, 
then then you can see that in the same way that if you're um I don't know, you, 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 you want to do something with your water company or electricity company, all the transactional stuff, the task stuff, you're happy to do automatically. You're happy to go onto the app. Uh, you're happy to go through the automated phone line or whatever it might be. But when it comes to something that's uh, that's important, that's urgent, that there's some sort of emotion involved for you as a customer, you want that human-to-human -human contact. And I think it's the same with your relationship with your with your leader you know when when that transactional thing needs to be done you know what you're doing you kind of want to be empowered to be able to just just let me get on with the job you know i'm employed here to do a job i know what i'm doing let me get on with it but when that need for that kind of emotional or an emotional situation arises or that need for connection comes up that's when the human to human contact uh really needs to be uh, right yeah, that's there. the challenging part right yeah because managing people's emotions, it, uh, first of all, you have to manage your own emotions to be able to manage other people's emotions, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the most challenging part. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we are humans and human species, we like interaction, mm. right? So it's an interesting part. Um, you know, I'm, you, I'm sure you, with your work and you've seen online, there is so much talk right now with remote work and hybrid. And some companies say, no, 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 you really need to be in. Mm. Uh, some other companies leaving it totally up to you. Some other companies have policies. But, you know, another thing that we noticed with my coaching and consultancy is uh, a lot of companies over the last couple of years, they acquired so many, um, they, they subscribed so many softwares because in 2020, 2021, we went home, right? Yeah. Like, we went home. So, wow. How yeah. do we do it? Yeah. So now a lot of companies are actually evaluating and measuring what do we actually need from all these things that we are providing our people versus cost. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it, it's the first time now that a lot of companies, now they are creating work policies, remote work policies, hybrid work policies. They are measuring effectiveness. They are measuring um, cost versus productivity, mm. and they are deciding what they're going to do, which is not easy. You cannot make these decisions overnight. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. So, what sort like, of things? Uh, what what sort of things work 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 best face to face? Then, if there if there were sort of really essential tasks that a team needs to do together face to face, what would they be in your experience? Look, performance reviews or kind of manager conversations all those kind of coaching conversations or the manager to employee should be done I, I like face to face uh, because online you can't really read body language but you can I mean we can do it like that but it's not the same yeah we don't have the same connection maybe we have it I don't know 70 80 percent so I think this is one thing that if you are a manager you should if you can if geographically you're in the same location you live in the same city I don't know mm. but you should do it you know um, um, a team, uh, and you know, I think a hybrid work policy works well. Um, let's say two days in the office or one day in the office and three, four days at home. Um, and the tasks you could have your morning, you know, morning meeting every your, your morning weekly meeting, you know, after the weekend to get people together, and maybe another day that you could have from work. It's your Friday, end of the week day, uh, where you grab all your team together. You have a coffee or before you go. So it's not more. Of, it's not. It's more about the tasks, but it's more about. Look, it depends on the nature of the company and the industry. Mm -hmm. But it's more about how do you kind of keep people still, you know, to see each other, not just in a, on a screen. And you'll be surprised you know i have some people that i know and they're it people and uh, actually a specific designer he's a designer he works alone all day but he hates to work from home mm -hmm. yeah so maybe another uh, avenue to go is to have a tailor-made approach to what each individual wants yeah yeah well, that's what we did. That's what that's, yeah. what that's what we did in in, uh, in 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 my business. Is we 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 spoke to people. We asked we asked people what it was that they wanted because, um, you know, at that time we were um, 
we we thought we were coming back, but we you could you yes. could you could never be sure. It was a we have we have this uh, song called the Oki Koki, which uh, which we, we you know you're in you're out you're in out in out yes. and all that sort of stuff you know. So it was a bit like that. So um, so it was it was done on a sort of a trial basis where we kind of said okay, so what what do you want? What do you want? Because we kind of understood that everybody went into the pandemic at the same time. You know, bang! It was kind of right. Everyone's all at home. It's happening today. Go, go, go! But people coming out of that situation, uh, they did that at different times. Whether physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, people went through different experiences. The ego uh, that you mentioned got fired up in lots of different ways uh, for, for lots of different people. So people came came back, and and some still are coming back. Uh, you know, in in their in their own way. So asking that question, I think I think was uh, was was an important thing to do, and then clearly listening to the answer, um, and then also then looking at okay, so what what are the needs of the business, yeah. and 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 what are the needs of the team, and what are the needs of the individual, and looking at it on those three levels and say okay, well then then let's try something, and uh, you know we we try to. Um, uh, you know, mix it up, you know, respect and understand what people need, but um, but not become too rigid in a routine, uh, and uh, and encourage people to get together for things like uh, yeah, when there's one to ones, when there's um, a, a, you know a, a need for a creative process that means that you're potentially solving a problem together as a team or something like that. When there's a um, an important decision to be made, uh, when there's uh, training to, uh, to be done as well, you know. The, so there are those real specific things that 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 seem to lend themselves better to being in the same physical place. And there are there are some things which um, which don't necessarily uh, lend themselves to being um, you know best done when when you're all together. But the other thing that's interesting, and, and you mentioned about about diversity and inclusion is is the whole thing about neurodiversity and you know how in different individuals have different levels of sensitivity to um uh, to noise to distraction to um to light to all of those kind of things and, yeah and i suppose what this also has done is is kind of um enable people to get a bit of a better understanding of of, of what works what works best for them uh, and i think what was important was to to try it you know so it when, when there was the opportunity to come back and work in the office everyone try it see if you like it because lots of people were saying do you know what i think i'm fine working at home but then when they got the opportunity to come back in the office they that they quite they quite enjoyed it because there's that whole thing about connection and belonging that also then you know, you can't really have diversity and inclusion without that sense of connection and belonging. That's right. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I think I think you know you hit the nail on the head when you said about being adaptable and being flexible to 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 what what the individuals in your team are looking for. But it's got to come together to meet the needs of the organisation ultimately, because the organisation's there to fulfil a purpose, uh, to fulfil a mission, to serve a customer. You know, so that sort of thing has has got to be the outcome. And you know, and, and some employees as well that don't. Also, you have to see because as a manager, you should know what is good for them because some of them don't really understand also what is good for them. Mm. Like, like I know, especially in like more creative teams, marketing, sales, they think that yeah, I want to work from home, but that actually might hinder them. Mm. Especially if you're in sales, if you if your results are not the best. If you work from home and still your results are not the best, I know there will be question marks in your manager's brain, guaranteed. Mm. So like like sales, like, okay, you know, the Pareto rule, 80-20, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like that. So, so if you are in a kind of a role that you really need to deliver results, sales, marketing, you need to be careful mm. because it could be a, 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 it could be a boomerang thing. So if you are not, if, okay, if you're in the office, your manager can see you're working, you're making the calls, you're interacting, you're looking for advice, solutions, especially in sales and all that. But if you are at home, no one is going to monitor you uh, by the minute. So you need to make sure that your productivity is there 
because you don't want to risk your job. Let's let's speak bluntly and you know. Yeah. Well, then especially if you're in sales, you know, at the end of the day, sales, you know, you it doesn't matter as long as you do it ethically how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are in that department and you decide to work from home, just make sure that your results are up to par. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, there again, it comes to the. the comes back the, the the skill of of the manager to be able to have those kind of conversations with people to to yeah, you know because, i mean sometimes you know exactly so you have to tell your employees look working from home you live alone i mean your environment you're in sales you need that energy you need that balance you mm. need to transfer those emotions to clients mm. right mm-hmm. so your your house might be a little bit lethargic mm. which might affect your energy affects your tone of voice yeah so you need to have those conversations in, and this, this is one sometimes where it's good if you are a manager to have to have, have walked in your people's shoes because yeah. they understand, yeah. you know, what they feel, what the job requires, what they, they are going through. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm, why it's important. Yeah, sure. No, I totally agree. And so you've got a, you've got a book coming out, is that right? Yes. What's what's your book about? The book, my book is what we're actually talking about. It's about remote work, hybrid work. Is the the new skills that the manager will uh, needs to have. Okay. And um, 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 I'm, I'm, the title is uh, "Leading in VUCA Times." Mm-hmm. It's coming out over the next couple of weeks, and just finalizing it. Uh, beginning of March, um, in forty small chapters, forty for zero. Um, practical, you know, full, filled with practical experiences, lessons, failures, and all that. So um, it starts a little bit like a function of what happened with COVID, lockdown, and then it moves into more practical chapters mm. where I basically share my experiences yeah. to hopefully, um, you know, help and share my knowledge and, you know, my, my experience with other people to improve, to improve work and to improve life because work, is part of our identity, right? Yeah. So I'll send you a copy in two weeks' time. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because um, yeah, VUCA, uh, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. That's right. Okay. Well, I'm glad I remembered that because 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 I, <laughs> I wrote I wrote I wrote an article on it. I, I've not written a book, but I did write an, write an article on it, and um, and yeah, there are some. There are some challenges in that, and I suppose the, the 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 thesis that I came up with, or the hypothesis, I guess, probably not a thesis, I came up with, was that um, those those four words are kind of a um, a proxy for risk. So so when you're leading in, and I was talking, I suppose, more from an organisational strategy point of view than a kind of a team leadership point of view, but. It's about using your understanding of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity to and feeding that into your um, the way that you manage risk as an organisation. Because there is a there is a chance that leaders of teams and uh, of organisations, uh, in the face of uncertainty, will just dis- will decide to delay a decision or to to put something off. And that struck me as a really dangerous thing to do at the moment because I know there's talk of uh, a recession in the UK, just narrowly avoiding recession in the UK. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's high inflation in lots of countries around the world. And uh, globally, yeah. Yeah. So, but but that brings as much opportunity for an organisation as it does the potential. For downside, uh, so um, so for leaders, that's a big challenge: is, is navigating uh, the changing dynamic of how individuals feel about work, um, whilst also navigating quite a challenging external environment. Which is extremely, it's not easy. It's easy. Well, we're just discussing now, but it's a challenge. It's it, um, you need to look at external factors, and you need to look at internal factors, and pro COVID. I think the internal factors didn't play too much. Okay, finance played an internal factor, but you know, um, 
staff and all that. Everybody used to go to the office and all that. So, uh, and now internally, you know, managers and companies, um, you need to really, if you're talking about people on a, on a leadership perspective, is you really need to look at your people as, as customers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. am, I, am I providing you the right experience so you can thrive? Can I retain you? So you can thrive. So you can thrive. You can develop. You can stay. Because you talk, you talk about the great resignation. Mm. I call it the great reevaluation. Yeah. yeah. Which led to the great resignation. Yeah. Uh, and people nowadays, you know, prefer to work less sometimes, or prefer they to do what they're supposed to do and then go see their family, do some sports, which is a good thing actually. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, you still see people work and, you know, um, dress up and do what they're supposed to do, which should be the right thing to do. Mm. But uh, but we need to keep that balance um, because sometimes, I don't know, the past was too much, like working 15 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, it happened, right? Yeah, yeah. It used to happen. Yeah, well, it happened, um, yeah, before, and it also happened almost by accident when, when people were staying at home because they were kind of, you know, swinging their legs off the side of the bed in the morning, turning their computer on and, and starting working. And, and, you know, if you lived in a, a one bed apartment or whatever it might be, it was difficult to escape it. So you ended up just, just working more. So, so yeah, so that balance is important. And also I'm interested in what you've seen coming through from a kind of a, um, they used to call it uh, corporate social responsibility, didn't they? But they're now calling it ESG. Um, are, are you seeing uh, any new trends in uh, sustainability and, uh, and and how that's playing through into how organisations are looking after both the environment and their people? Yeah, I think I think the environment. Yeah, they used to call it CSR, right? Mm. Oh, CSR. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. CSR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think this will be the new trend over the next couple of years, over the next I don't know five, ten, fifteen years. Mm. Um, maybe a stock price of a company will be determined by what you do for the environment and carbon emissions. Mm. Mm. So I think this will this is something that is going to come up. Um, and I see people, I, I see a lot of companies. Yes, they do like. But and I hope I hope they don't just do it for marketing. Yeah. And I hope that there will be policies in place where I don't know if you're a mining company in Africa, you really need to put back to the community what you take out. Yeah. From Earth. Yeah, yeah. Not just by employing people or by you know, but practical things that you should do. So. Um, so I think this is the trend, as you said, that is going to continue. Um, it's good that I don't know if global global warming is a hoax or whatever. I don't want to discuss this now, but the the atmosphere it used is different from what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Like when I'm in Greece in the summertime, I had this discussion this summer. In all our rooms now, in the houses we have there, we put air conditioning. Mm-hmm. We didn't have air conditioning 20 years ago because it was not as hot. Yeah. Not 50 years ago, I wasn't born, I don't remember, but 10, 10 years ago, it wasn't that hot. Mm-hmm. But now it really is during summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. It's definitely um, a trend. I think, <clears throat> I think we're moving more into a more normal uh, life and work and all that. And uh, taking care of ourselves, also taking care of nature. Mm. So I hope this is the case. And um I hope you know that we 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 don't bring frustration at home as managers. That's yeah. something I mentioned in my book. How many times I did it in the past? How many did you, How many times you have you come back from work and you are frustrated with work and you scream at your kids, you scream at your wife? It happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not a nice environment. Uh, so it's good to to leave things there and. Um, it's an it's an interesting um, it's an interesting I think era to summarize. Um, uh, I'm I'm doing some teaching work as well at the EU Business School, and um, the other day one of the students says, "Say, say, professor, but I am graduating soon, and um, it's really challenging out there." 
I said, yes, it looks challenging, but it's an opportunity for you to go in with new ideas. Right. And not to be the part of the path, of the path but to go in with fresh ideas and change and improve things for better. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, as a manager, I don't really care, you know, what people, as soon as you attend your meetings and you do your job, we should focus on task completion rather than clock in, clock out. Yeah, agreed. So, okay, that's an interesting um that's an interesting uh, line, of, line of conversation. So, so if you've got somebody who is either um, looking to uh, go into the leadership uh, stage of their career for the first time, um, or, or looking to uh, you know change tack, change career, they've been reevaluating. Uh, what advice would you give them when making the decision to to make a move? What sort of things should they be looking at? Look, if to, to change career could be a little bit challenging at the beginning. Uh, and I think the advice that I would give is you need to look at your network. If you're changing careers, the new field that you're going in, who, who do you know? Mm -hmm. This is what one of the things I realized. Sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And I think you understand that. Mm. Uh, you know, your network, your network is your network. Mm -hmm. So if you're moving into a new role or into a new, you know, look, I had enough of doing this job. I want to do something else. You need, when you go in, you need to look at who do you know? Because people will help you. If you know people will help you, will open doors for you, will introduce you to people. And that's quite important. Um, because, you know, we talk about trust, you know, sometimes. We don't hire the best. We hire the one that is referred by somebody. Yeah. Right? So, and if you don't know people, like I, I do suggest you to start developing your network in the new industry, you know, reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. I like it. It's my favorite social uh, network. Um, reach out to people, ask for advice, get to know people. People get to know you mm -hmm. if you are moving into a new Thing. So I think because that will be important, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and if you are, I don't know, moving into management, is is I think listening listening is important nowadays. I think it was always important, but listening listening to understand, not listening to reply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and listening really with your head and with your heart, not just with your ears. Um, and I think nowadays what people want is hope. I'm talking now from kind of a higher level, organizational level, because over the last couple of years, uh, people lost some hope, mm -hmm. right? A vision, yeah. where I'm going, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. What do I want to do? You have people nowadays in the 50s, in the 55, 60s, they're changing careers, which is a great thing, actually. Yeah. Because as, as life expectancy goes up, that's another thing that is going to change. I do believe over the next few years is no government. You know, we're going to have people living up until 100, 110. I think it's going to be the new normal because medicine is getting better. Mm -hmm. um, 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 standards of living is, are improving, and all that. And uh, no government. It's not going to be like I graduate, I work, I retire. The, you know, government pays me for another 25, 25 years. No, because. We're going to be living, I don't know, another 50 years. So yeah. I think this kind of retirement thing, I think over the next, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 years, we kind of stop. Mm. We won't have this anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll have a kind of a different life. And maybe you do a little bit of part-time job and, yeah. and you get subsidized by the government as well. So um, I think we're going towards that direction. Mm -hmm. um, and I think another thing that I think is going to come up is a universal basic income. I think it's going to come up. Sure. And I think some countries, I don't know if it's in the UK, but they're kind of trying. You've seen many countries now during COVID giving some allowances to people, right? Yeah. Travel allowance, energy, heating allowance, right? Supermarket vouchers. So we're, use, we're using a socialist way to keep capitalism alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So. Yeah, there are trials running on that, aren't there? Is, is that Northern Europe? There are some countries that are doing it. Finland, Sweden. Yeah. Um, in Greece, they are doing something like that. They are giving a uh, supermarket allowance. They are giving car fuel allowance. Mm. 
uh, heating fuel allowance. They're giving a lot of things. So, but I think you're right. I think in the there are few there were and there are few countries which have done some something like this in the past. Probably in Africa and in uh, India and India, and it worked quite well. Mm. Um, I have another five minutes because I have a call, but mm. it worked quite well because for different social reasons, mm. uh, crime went down. Mm-hmm. And you're not forced to take a job you don't want. Yeah. So even though people say, oh, they will take the money and just stay home. Actually, money is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on the country that you live. It's just to cover it, to have a roof over your head and to to, to have food, you know, I don't know, yeah. a thousand, two thousand pounds per month, whatever in every country is different, the standard of living, right? Yeah, sure. Maybe in Greece, maybe in Greece, a thousand will be enough. In Germany, a thousand five hundred will be enough. Yeah. But there was some trials when it said crime went down, people are happier because they're not forced to take any job mm. because they say, okay, I want to get a job I want. So it, t- it takes a little bit of time for them to find exactly what they want to do, mm. uh, which actually makes them happier. Yeah. Because how many people out there hate their jobs? A lot. Right. And if we're going to be working for longer, now is the, now is the time to find something that, that you love and, uh, and stay healthy. You know, you see it in Asia. If you go to Asia, you see, you know, retired people, 65, 70, they do part-time, they do Uber driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I ask them, why is that? Some of them say to support myself, you know, enough. Mm. And some others say, because I don't want to stay home. Mm-hmm. I just want to move around and to keep my body and mind active. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the world where you see the most um, centenarians, uh, you do see people working longer and that's uh, yeah. that's part of it you know and eating well and living a healthy life but look so we're nearly out of time evan so um yes i just want to ask you um what's your what's the purpose of your life very good question yeah the purpose of my life is to be a good father right now and to be a good husband mm-hmm. and uh leadership i do believe that since we're talking about leadership leadership starts from the family mm-hmm. inside yeah cool and so that's brilliant. Thanks, yeah. Evan. And thanks for coming on the show. Where, where can people find out more about you and, and follow your work? Yeah, on LinkedIn, I'm quite active. Um, if you put my name, Evan Zivanakis, you can find me there or drop me an email, evan at executivecoachasia.com. Okay, perfect. All right, Evan, thanks for coming on People With Purpose. Bless you, and uh, I'll catch you again soon. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.